Praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, let's open them up to uh, Matthew chapter 11. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Thank you. DJ, we love you, brother. Appreciate you. Man, how many were here last week? I know we weren't, but we got to watch the message. It was awesome. Pastor Sam bringing the fire. Come on. It was good. Saved to the uttermost. Saved to the uttermost. Um, well, we are thankful to be back. I just want to encourage you. I know families are in and out during the summers and summer, and we have vacations and so forth. But uh, if you miss a service, we are doing our best to keep the media site updated. So it's at ctrf.com/media. And we're putting our services there, connections to uh, the podcast, and so you can hear the sermons, uh, catch the services if you miss them. And I encourage you, if you've missed some of these past Sundays, catch up and uh, hear what the Lord is speaking. Amen? Um, so we're doing our best to keep that up to, up to date because we know how important it is that the word go forth and that uh, if you, don't, you aren't able to attend, and I know many of you serve in various ministries, so sometimes you're out on Sundays, so that's also a good source for you. Um, amen. As we were uh, away on vacation this week, I was meditating Monday morning, and the Lord just put these words into my heart, learning Christ. And so I really want to speak on that topic this morning. And yeah, we came back from vacation, and uh, you know, when you get back, you're doing all, all the cleanup and, and, and getting unpacked and, and set back up. And immediately my wife, I, I thank God for my wife, because my wife is a prepper. Oh. My wife is a planner, and she's ahead of schedule. I, I am not. I'm a procrastinator. This is something God's working on in me. Amen? And, uh, but she gets, and she says, amen. <laughs> Praise God. Get him, Lord. Um, and uh, she's, she, she immediately says, oh, we got to start getting the back-to-school stuff. And I'm like, that's three weeks. That's three weeks. You know, and, and my kids are probably thankful that she's around, too, because if it were me, it would be like the night before school, Walmart at 10 o'clock, tar- Target trying to get the stuff. But she's getting all the back-to-school stuff, the backpacks. She's got her checklist. And, and, and Grace has her backpack ready. She is already three weeks ahead of time she goes i just i just want to be ready and i'm like you definitely didn't get this from me but uh it reminded me of uh what i would call my rocky educational experience anyone else had a little bit of a rocky educational experience (laughs) uh i uh i recalled a situation when i was in eighth grade and uh, my teachers had a parent, my, and when, you, when you're in middle school, you have multiple teachers, and so they all got together and conspired, at least that's what I think they did. <laughs> and they called a parent-teacher conference with my parents. And uh, I had just finished this standard, one of those standardized tests that we all love so dearly. And uh, the purpose of the meeting was to say, this they're like well we looked at the results for your son's standardized test and we contrasted them to his current grades and there seems to be a little bit of a disparity here 
Meaning his standardized test says he should be performing at a much higher level than he currently is. There's a gap here. And so they were basically saying there's much more potential here that has not been tapped into in your son. And uh, I, I, I had, had that moment. My parents were like, okay, we see that. All right. We're going to help our son. Come on, parents. We're going to help our son get more out of his potential. And uh, I just thought about that in terms of who we are in Christ and, and, and our walk with the Lord. And how many know that inside of you is tremendous potential? Tremendous potential. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, the very God of the universe has chosen to dwell in us through his spirit. That same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I thought you might get excited about that. That same resurrection power dwells in you. And the Bible says it will quicken your mortal body. So this God of the universe has decided to dwell in us through his spirit. And there's so much in us. And Philippians 2, and I I preach on this a lot because it's it's just a good verse. But he's working in us to will and to do according to his pleasure. But we got to work it out. Come on we got to work it out. And so there's a cooperation. There's a part on, there's our, our part in this process. And so we are called as a church, we're called as believers to go and make disciples of every nation. Amen? Amen. To go make disciples, not just converts, not just people who believe in Jesus, but people who will be 100% sold out followers of Christ. Amen? Who will give their 100% all and realize the full potential of what God's called them to be. Disciples. And that word means a learner. Somebody say a learner this morning. A pupil. And so the Christian life is a constant learning process. You don't have a commencement ceremony until that moment when Jesus says, Well done, good and faithful servant. (laughs) We are constantly learning. We are constantly growing. And, and as, as disciples, we endeavor to learn and to press on to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? So look at, we started reading in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. And it says this, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Revealed them to infants. And he says in verse 26, Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. Well-pleasing in your sight. And the King James Version in verse 25 starts with this. It says that at that time, Jesus answered and said. So you have to ask what was the question he was answering. And so all I can surmise is that we look at the context of this and we look at the verses that preceded and we see that Jesus had just finished rebuking the cities who had not repented despite him performing miracles and works of power in their midst. And he goes through three of them and he says, Chorazin and then Bethsaida and then Capernaum. 
three cities where Jesus had performed miracles. And he said, if the signs and wonders that had been performed in Tyre and Sidon that are performed in you, they would have repented long ago. And so it wasn't that these cities actually rejected him or, or persecuted him or, or, or even, you know, were against him. It's that they were apathetic. They were apathetic. They, they didn't respond and repent. The, see, the purpose of miracles is to bring people close to Jesus. Come on. To demonstrate his glory and his power. And, to, and, and, and then there's a response that's needed. I know I lived a life where I saw many miracles growing up. But it took a while for me to repent. Because my heart was hard. And so these hardened cities, he says, you, you, you didn't repent, and so he proclaims judgment on them. I mean, and think about this. In Capernaum was much the center of, of Jesus' ministry while he was in Galilee. It was here that he healed the centurion's son. It was here that the royal officer's son in John 4 was healed. And he says in that moment, he says, unless you people see signs and wonders... You simply will not believe. And here's the reality. They saw the signs and wonders and they still didn't repent. They still didn't repent. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, the paralytic, cast out unclean spirit. And it was likely the city where he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. So plenty of miracles, but no response. And I think there's a parallel today. If I were to say, what is the stronghold over our region, over our area? It's indifference. It's apathy to the things of God. Many people are, are happy. They're comfortable in their success. They're comfortable in the place where they are. And they're like, I don't need God. But how many know we need to keep preaching and we need to keep sharing and we need to keep doing the works of God so that they would, their hearts will be open and pray for open hearts. But this grieved, this grieved the Lord that they would not respond and repent. But he says this, he rejoices in this. And in, and in this parallel verse in Luke chapter 10, this prayer that Jesus prays here in Matthew 20, 11, 25, he says... It, says that Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. About what? That God reveals to the infants. That God reveals himself to the infants. And it says he has hidden these things from the wise and the intelligence. Let's unpack that this, a little bit this morning and understand what that means. To whom has he revealed these things? And I think I want to pose to you four questions this morning related to learning Christ. And the first is, are we teachable? Are we teachable? Are, have we put our place, ourselves in a place where we can be taught? This word infants is in the Greek, nepios. And it speaks metaphorically of the unsophisticated in mind and trustful in disposition, where it stands in contrast to the wise of those who are possessed merely of natural knowledge. I'm going to say that again. This disposition of trust, trustful in disposition, 
and unsophisticated. <laughs> How many are thankful that God openness has, has, has a heart for people like us? Amen. Simple-minded. But I want to say this. There is a disposition, a trustful disposition. So I want to talk about a couple of hindrances to learning Christ. And number one is we can be a little too smart for our own good. Come on. We can think that we've already got it figured out. We can think that we have the answers. One thing I've noticed, the longer I walk with Jesus, the less I know. The more I get to know him, the less I know. (laughs) Because, oh, thank you. Check, check. That my dependency on him should be increasing, not decreasing. My reliance on self is decreasing. But the problem is sometimes we think we've got it figured out. And so it's hard for the Lord to teach us with that mentality. And you know this if you have kids. You want to help them do something. And you're like, well, there's a better way to do that. But okay. You're not open to that advice or that input right now. We were watching my uh, son. And I'll, I'll probably have to pay up for this one, right? We were on our trip, and where we were was this lake with rocks and places to jump. And my son is adventurous and an adrenaline junkie, and uh, more so than I ever was. I'm not really sure. I think we think it came from an uncle or something. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and uh, there was a gentleman in our group, a, a friend of our, a friend of a friend of ours, who had no fear and uh, immediately went up and started jumping off the highest cliffs and Gabe's like yeah (laughs) and so he began to work his way up and uh, he got to this kind of second tier cliff and as he jumped off we have the picture in slow-mo where he's just leaning forward and you're like no that's not going to end well followed by a smackdown and uh and uh, Gabe came out going, you know, lost his breath a little bit. But he recovered. And we were actually, th- we're like, thank you, Jesus, for that moment. Because um, he's okay. But now there's a teachable moment. Now there's a teachable opportunity. So we were saying, hey, when you jump off, and the guy who's doing all the big jumps just took him under his wing and... He's going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to jump right. <laughs> you got to lean back. You got to get that pencil going before you hit the water so you don't smack. And uh, so Gabe got to a different rock level, and it was angled, and he was working on his form. And he was working on it and working on it and working on it. And he'd be like, Dad, watch. Is it right? Is it good? Am I doing good? And as he did... He was working his way up. And the last day, as we were at that last rock, it was a half hour before we had to go, there was a bigger rock. He goes, Dad, this is where I want to really want to jump from. And so he goes, but I want you to come with me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, to get there, I had to climb on the edge of this rock that was higher drop with my bare feet getting cut. And I'm getting over there, and I get to that spot, and I, I, you go, those who know me know I'm, I'm not really keen on heights. 
And, uh, but I needed to support my son in this moment. And then he climbs down to this spot where he wants to jump. And I said, I said, uh, okay, all right, I got you back. I got you back. He goes, dad, maybe it would help me if you went first. I'm like, why do you think that would help? Let's have a conversation. Why do you think that would help? And so I, I stood there and I go, no, no, you know what? I, th- I think you got this, you know? And I was encouraging him and, and I started thinking, I'm going, well, I either have to walk up that ridiculous cliff and back or I jump. These options, neither of them look real good right now. But Gabe, uh, you know, he was up there and he, he did, he, he, he goes, is it going to be okay, Dad? I'm like, you got this, you got this. And, um, you know, I don't know, 20 feet, something like that. And he stands up and he's practicing. He's, <laughs> he's practicing. He's been practicing and he's been taught by the expert jumper. And finally, all this encouragement, time running down. He makes the, takes the step, jumps off, and went really smoothly, and now I'm standing there. <laughs> Dad, you said that you'd go if I went. I'm like, oh, I'm committed now. So I followed suit, and thankfully we're still here today. <laughs> Took the plunge. Took the plunge. But uh, we have to be teachable. And it was just cool to see this process in Gabe's life, and I saw it as a picture of how we are to be with the Lord. And um, if, we, if we will humble ourselves, and we need to be willing to embrace these moments where Jesus reveals to us, he says, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. I know you've learned this thing, but let me teach you a better way. Let me show you a better way. And you know, sometimes the other hindrance is our truster has been broken. Come on, who can relate to that? You've had some experiences in life, and you've been hurt by people. You've had people let you down. You've had all these experiences that have informed. And because we are just naturally self-protective, when those things happen, we shut down and we have a hard time trusting. And so when the Lord comes and says, you can trust me, I love you, and all these things, sometimes those filters and that experience prevents, you know, affects how we hear. Affects how we respond to who the Lord is. This trustful disposition that is required of a learner, God has to heal some things in us to make us, bring us to a place where we can really trust him fully. But he can be trusted, amen? He can be trusted. People fail, but God can be trusted. And even Christians fail. Come on, somebody. But God can be trusted. One person told me, he said, don't let bad Christians keep you from a good God. Come on. Somebody's let you down. It doesn't mean God's going to let you down. We can trust him. We can trust him. Look at Mark 10, 13 through 15. It says, And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. 
But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to what? Such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Now God says be childlike to receive the kingdom, not childish. You see the difference? Child trusts. Child trusts. They, don't, they haven't been jaded by life. At least most of them, I pray. I don't want my kids to have jaded attitudes towards people and whatnot, or towards the church or to whatever. But to have that disposition of trust, naturally, a child receives. It's how, you know, you never noticed how a child receives gifts. Hopefully they're not asking you, do I owe you something? Hopefully they're not feeling bad that they didn't earn the gift. Come on. And see, that's the attitude and the disposition we have to have with the Lord to receive from him. Through grace, by faith, not of ourselves. Come on. Through grace, by faith, is how we receive. And we see a child and how they receive. We learn from that. When Jesus, and we understand what Jesus means when he says, For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, and unless we become like a child, we won't enter it. And you'll notice the brackets even says, at all. So to the degree that I embrace this truth and live this in, as a reality in my life is the degree that I'm receiving what the kingdom of God has for me. We also must recognize that we have learned some wrong things in life. We've, you know, you've had those, you've seen those moments with your kids or maybe you as a kid where your parents are like, where did you learn that? Where they come out with some new phrase or they're saying something that's crazy and you're going, I didn't teach you that. Where'd you learn that? Well, I saw it on YouTube. I saw it on these videos or something, you know, where, where did you learn that? And now you're in this process as a parent to unlearn that thing they learned. But so it is with the Lord with us. We've learned some things over time based on what the world's told us and how it's informed us of how we should think and perceive things. And so Paul says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3.18, he says, let no man deceive himself. Whoo. I want to say this. I believe it's Leonard Ravenhill says this. He says, there's three persons in every one of us. Three persons. The one you think you are. We, we think we are. The one others think we are. And the one God knows we are. The one God knows we are. And I love this. The one who knows you the best loves you the most. All your faults, all your failures, all your stuff, he still loves you. But we get deceived. You see, we get deceived and we live, to, we live in a false self if we're not careful. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. You see that? The upside down kingdom, we got to get foolish before we can get wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, for it is written, he 
the one who catches, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. And he's talking about the worldly wisdom, the dangers of the worldly, of worldly wisdom. And many times we've adopted worldly mindsets without even knowing it, and we try to apply them in our walk with God. And that's why Romans 12, 1, 2 is so important that we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Not conformed to this world, but transformed. Worldly wisdom keeps us from the revelation of the hidden things that God is desiring to reveal to us. Do you see that? We deceive ourselves into believing that we have the right answer, just as the religious rulers did. you got a choice. You can either be a fool before God or a fool for God. A fool before God or a fool for God. It's our choice. You can't please the world and please God. You can't. There's a distinction in the life of a believer in how we live, how we think, how we operate. Come on, somebody. Look at verse 27. We'll go on in Matthew chapter 11 for the sake of time. Here goes. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to, somebody say, reveal, reveal Him. And this is how we learn. It's not through head knowledge. I mean, we got to, we use our mind. Come on, we got to love the Lord God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. We use our mind. But it's through revelation that we truly know. It's true revelation from, through revelation from the Father that we truly understand. Where the lights really go on is when the Father gives us the revelation, just like he did to Peter in that moment in Matthew 16. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who has in heaven revealed this to you. That's revelation knowledge. We need to live by revelation knowledge. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is what brings life to us. Come on. This is how we really know and learn Christ. Is through the revelation that comes from the Father. And when we are willing to learn. Come on, listen to this part. When we're willing to learn, then he's willing to reveal. Did you get that? When we're willing to learn. He's willing to reveal. It's only our pride. It's only our resistance that keeps us from the revelation of who he is. But when we open our hearts and say, God, I want to know you. This is the desire of my heart to know you deeper. Then he reveals himself. That's a cry he'll answer every time. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want you to see the nature of the invitation. It's to a person. Come on. Come to me. Everything in Scripture points to me. Come to me, Jesus says. All the Torah, all the prophets, all of them point to me. Come to me. Not to a doctrine, not to a 
religion, not to an organization, not to a place, but to a person. That is the aim of all ministries, to connect you to him. Connect you to him. He says, come, the invitation. He doesn't force us. He invites us. Are you with me? It's an invitation. The question is, will we RSVP? Will we respond? Will we show up for class? Come to me, not to Abraham, not to Moses, not to the kings, not to the prophets, not to the puffed up Pharisees and religious rulers, but to him. See, the emphasis of the invitation is this, is that he wants us to be with him. Oh, I I thought you'd get excited about that. He, He wants us to be with him. We emphasize... So easy to emphasize doing things for him, but he wants us to be with him. And when that comes first, when that is the priority in our life, then the doing things for him is still with him. It flows out of that. I hope you got that. That's an important one. All right. Number two, are we responsive? Will we respond to his invitation? The Christian life is about responding. God is the initiator. We are the responder. We could say we are first responders in so many ways. But Jesus first loved us. Come on. He came. He left his glory, became, came in the likeness of sinful flesh, gave his own life thought it not robbery to give up his position, his place, did not grasp that, but became a servant, a bondservant to the obedience of death on the cross. See, he moved first, and we respond, don't we? We respond to him. And so it's an invitation. His outstretched arm is towards us. And you say, it also implies there's a gap between us. There's a separation between us. And Isaiah 59 says that it's our sin that has separated us. But his outstretched arm is towards us. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed his report? He stretches his arm towards us. Don't you love that? I don't know. That gets me excited. He invites us to come to him. James 4 says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. It's it's your move. Ball's in our court. But then he makes this comment, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I just really quickly want to go, why are we weary and heavy laden if we really think about it? Why are we in this state? And it's because this this weariness means to be To work to exhaustion, to be beaten down. Anyone felt like that ever once in a while? I just came off vacation. I'm feeling good right now, but maybe later this week, right? But that's a physical thing. There's emotional, there's spiritual things that we have to tend to. We had this, Carolyn and I, when we were first married, it was our first year, it was 2006, and and, uh, we decided we'd take up, we'd try backpacking, Right? Fun times, uh, rookies, rookies, didn't know what we were doing, and uh, we decided to go on a three-night, three-day adventure, 
loop in the Olympics, and uh, lots of things went awry, and we didn't start till late, and we ended up having to set up our camp in the middle of the night. First time doing that. And, uh, you know, by day two, we got these packs on, and we're feeling this just weight, and it's rubbing our shoulders, and it hurts so bad, and I turn around and I go, people like this? I mean, lots of people are going by, they look happy. Are they just enduring this? Shoulders getting rubbed raw, and it's just, it, really? This is fun? Got to the end of day two, and we're showing up at the second spot. I said we were rookies, right? And we run into a ranger, and um, he goes, how are you guys doing? Anything we can help you with? And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure this backpack thing out. Man, it's really raw. I, I, my, my shoulders are sore. And, and he goes, um, let, me, let me see how you got that set up. And, and he gave us a few pointers, important pointers, right? You need to cinch it at the waist really tight so the weight is on the hip, not on your shoulder. Ding, ding. <laughs> Moment. I'm like, oh. I can go a lot longer now. This is a whole different sport when you do it right. Some of us have been living life bearing some weight we didn't need to. And we're weary, we're worn out, and we're weary one from the effects of sin. Sin is exhausting and wears us out. Come on. I mean, it's fun for a season, but then it catches up and you're like, man, I am crushed. Jesus wants to free you from the penalty of sin, spiritual death and separation. Jesus wants to free you from the power of sin. It's bondage. Sin and the devil are a cruel taskmaster. From the power of sin, it's condemnation, it's guilt, it's shame that it brings that wears you down. Romans 8.1 says that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. From our self-effort. See, we've been trying to learn on our own, like the backpacking trip. We've been doing our thing, and we're just worn out. We've been doing it on our own. And and in Luke chapter 5, Jesus speaks to Peter and the disciples, and he says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. I love this story because Peter's response at this unbelievable catch is, get away from me for I'm a sinful man. He sees the goodness of God. God's goodness. Because when we actually acknowledge the master... And we let him be a part of what we're doing. And we take his direction and obey his voice. Then the results are different. Notice that Jesus didn't tell Peter to stop doing what he was doing. But to stop doing it alone. Stop doing it alone. You see, we can just go through life just doing it on our own. And God's waiting. I'll help you with that. 
There's a better way to do that. Are you willing to learn from me? Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk so walk in him. You see, many of us started with the right gear, right? We started our Christian life this way. We, we were a wretched wreck, recognizing our utter helplessness, that we needed a Savior in our lives, that we had made a disaster of our lives. Anybody here this morning? <laughs> The problem is somewhere along the way we switched back into self-drive mode. We said, I can do this, God. I got it from here. See, what Paul is exhorting the Colossians is the way you started, you keep on going that way. And that position of that disposition of trust and dependency on him, stay in that mode. Keep going that way. We're tired and weary because of the burdens of life. There are burdens in life we weren't meant to bear. Our griefs are sorrows, sickness, disease. They make us weary, but Jesus, thank God, Jesus made a provision on the cross that he bore our griefs, he bore our sorrows, he bore our, our sickness. His, by his stripes we are healed. That never gets old to me, church. I don't know about you. From the cares of life, we're weary, we're Worn out, fear and anxiety and depression. You've been through this last year and several months, and, and maybe it's just worn on you. But Jesus, but the Lord in his word says through Peter in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You know why it's humbling? Because it requires that we actually say, Help! We acknowledge, I don't got this. God, I need you to get this. I can't do this without you. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And there's the, the, the important part in verse 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your cares on him. Don't carry it. And you know that that has taken place because that weight has shifted. It's no longer yours. It's his. From the expectations of others, this weighs us down. Man, it's exhausting trying to make people happy. Impression management is hard. Because if I make you happy, I, someone over here is not happy. And it just gets confusing. I spent my life doing that before Jesus, and it was just miserable. Don't recommend zero stars. Don't do it. Religion, precepts of man that weigh us down. Verse 46 of Luke 11, Jesus rebuking, rebuking the lawyers. He says, what, he said, woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. You see, because of the way they interpreted the law, these experts in Mosaic law laid heavy burdens on people. And see, you... We can fall under the expectations of others. And that's a heavy weight. And it burns it down on us and it wears us out. Amen. Are you still with me? Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is? Number three, are we committed? Are we committed to the process? It says, take my yoke, and the ancient Jews commonly used the idea of a yoke to express someone's obligation to God. See, each rabbi had his own idiosyncrasies and methods of preparing his disciples. This was known as his, his yoke. Every disciple had a choice whether or not to accept the yoke of his or her rabbi. New master for life. They would then, having accepted that, live with them for life and learn from them. And they would be considered part of the household. We often are afraid of commitment because, and this was me, I'm like, I know if I give my life to Jesus, ooh. I went in, I, I, thought, I, I thought I went in eyes wide open, having seen, growing up in a ministry household. But man, we still don't know what life's going to deal with us. All I know is I'd rather deal with what life deals with me with him. I don't want to deal with it alone because I can't. I tried that, failed. Again, zero stars. Don't do it. The nature of his yoke is easy and my burden is light. For this is the, First John says in chapter 5, verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. What does he say? And his commandments are not burdensome. It's not hard. It's way harder to do it your way. I don't care what Frank Sinatra says. It's way harder. I did it my way. Come on. I did too, and it was miserable. John could say this after 50 years of following Christ and enduring much persecution and suffering as a result. Come on. Not burdensome. You're saying, wait, wait, this, this dude said this? He was the guy who got thrown in boiling oil. Not burdensome. But that's his commandments, but he went through it. He's saying, this is still a better life than that. I'd rather suffer for him than suffer for my own bad decisions. Come on. <laughs> Number four, are we attentive? Learn from me. And here's the crux of the message this morning. Learn from me. Paul says in Ephesians 4.20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth in Jesus, truth is in Jesus, verse 21 says, you have not learned Christ in this way if indeed you have heard him. Somebody say heard him. You see, that's the key. Attentive. Hearing. Proverbs 4 says, incline your ear to me. Father says, incline your ear to me. Listen. You know, I don't know about you, but I had to take inventory of my prayer life. And a lot of my prayer life was, I, I, I had to look at it and go, what would my prayer life be if it was a conversation with somebody? And it would have been weird. Why? Because I'd be asking them a bunch of questions, telling them how great they are, and then walking away, not listening. 
See, we go to God for all our needs, and we should. He says, he invites us to ask. Church, don't hear me wrong. But I hope we get the importance of waiting, of silence, of letting him speak. Because in that place is the life and the strength and the rest that he intends for us, of hearing his voice, listening to him speak, silencing my world, pressing mute on the chaos and the busyness and and saying, God, I'm taking this time right now and I want to hear you speak. I'll sit here until I do. Listening. Obviously, listening is a muscle we must develop. Why? Because it's, for many of us, and I'm speaking of myself, Many times when I'm having a conversation, I'm not hearing what the person's saying. I'm thinking about how I'm going to respond. And because I don't hear, really hear, I don't hear their heart. And so it is with the Lord. I've got all my agenda and my prayers, but he, maybe he has something to say. Thought about that? Listening, inclined. The disciples desire and focus to be with him the desire of our the priority and focus of our lives needs to be with him you know my wife talks about this a lot she has her love language is quality time and quality time over over time I'm getting a better definition of what it means and it certainly means um, this thing has to go She calls it the no phone zone, right? Because we're in quality, QT right now. I want your undiv- uh, fully devoted attention, undistracted. Ladies are like, yes. Focus on me right now. You have so many distractions, so much busyness. Just, just let's have a moment where we connect in a meaningful way. Come on, families, marriages. It's important. She has this desire, and you know, Jesus takes the three disciples up the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, John, they're up there. Boom! Glorious moment. Moses, Elijah, Jesus show up, and Peter's just so excited. Hey, let's build three tabernacles. Let's have three campuses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus, one for Moses. And God, the Father, intervenes and says, listen to him. How important. Listen to him. Just stop talking, Peter. <laughs> That's not what I want to do right now. Listen to him. And so it is for us, the importance of listening to him. The disciple was constantly following his or her rabbi around and learning from the mannerisms and watching how they did life. I thank God for just the wonderful men and women of God in my life who I've learned from. But what have I learned from them? I've learned from them Christ in them. I've learned from them what it looks like to live in a way that pleases God. But at the end of the day, I want to learn from him. And follow him around. He says, take my yoke upon you 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart. See, it's meekness, not weakness. It's strength under control. That's what he wants us to learn. And see, learning Christ is not about learning about him. You can learn his teachings. There's plenty of people who know his teachings. There's plenty of people who could probably quote more Bible than us about the red letters. But they don't know him. Intimately. The way we can know him as our master and teacher and savior and lord you see the yoke speaks of lordship it says commitment it says i'm in this for the long haul i'm in this for the long haul god god wherever you go i'm yoked in with you and i'm going with you and and you're guiding me are you with me this morning it's a commitment But he says, my yoke's easy because the yoke that the world puts on you, the yoke that religion puts on you, the yoke that expectations of other puts on you is much greater and worse. This yoke's easy. And this is the lesson. You will find rest for your souls. You see, what Jesus is calling us to is a place of relaxing in him. While we were on vacation, I could just see people around us and they're relaxing and they're like dreading going back to work. And, and you see a physical representation, but what we can have spiritually is a place of rest through all the work and chaos in our life, being that place of equilibrium and rest in Him. You see, we never, we're never finding rest for our souls because we are operating outside of the original intent of our lives. Oh, we could just go another half hour on this, but I'm going to... You see, we push our limits beyond what God intended. And we find our souls never at ease. Sabbath rest. I believe in it. It's an important part of my life. Because if God... Come on. If God rested on the seventh day, who are we... To think we need to keep working. There is a rest that we need to have in our lives. There's a rest that Christ calls us to. And it's not always a rest from work, but rather a rest in work as well. Not the rest of inactivity, but the rest, but of harmonious working of all the faculties of our affection, our will, our heart, imagination, our conscience. Because each has found its in God, the ideal sphere for its satisfaction and development. You know that place. Maybe you don't this morning, but God wants you to know it. I remember one moment, I'll close with this. We were ministering in North Africa with Bruce McDonald, and I was there with him, and I didn't, it was one of my first times doing this, and I didn't know what to expect, and here we are about to do a crusade, and he asked me to preach, and I'm nervous, and I'm kind of antsy, and got this anxiety. We're out in the middle of a Muslim community, and he wants me to preach at night. I don't know what's going to happen, and I look over, and here's Bruce, and he's the seasoned minister, and he's like this. And I said, uh, I, I said oh, he's, he's praying in a deep spiritual moment right now. And I looked over and went, woke up, woke up. And he's like, oh, you know, 
just rest in the, you know, while we wait for all this, you know. Africa, nothing starts on time. We were two hours late. And, um, and then he said this thing to me that I'll never forget. He said, you see, we just need to obey and let, leave the outcome to him. Quit trying to control the circumstances and outcome and just obey and do what God says and let him deal with that. And that just ministered to me so deeply. I'm saying, this is one of these moments. I'm going to write this down. I'm never going to forget this because I saw a man of God and how to operate in the rest of God. How to live in that place and live out of that place. A guy who's gone thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles all over the world preaching the gospel to regions unreached. Yet, he had a place of rest. Will you stand to your feet this morning? We have the worship team come. Thank you for going a little longer. That's what happens when pastors go on vacation. So I want to close with this question for you. Do we have pride we need to let go of and humble ourselves? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning about our need to be teachable? Maybe we've kind of just thought we had it figured out. And the Lord's just calling you to a new place of reliance and dependency on Him. You've been trying to do life your way. Lord has something better for you. And he calls you and he says, will you respond this morning to the call? Come to me. Come to me. Or maybe you recognize this morning that your life has gotten out of the place of balance and equilibrium because you've given prior, you haven't given proper priority to being with him. He calls you to be with him. Are you worn down and weary and need to find rest Christ has for your soul? Do you need to commit your life fully to him and come under his yoke for your life? So I would just ask you this morning if any of those things apply or if you just say, Pastor, I'm in a place of need of prayer. I'm bearing some things I can't even deal with on my own. Maybe the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. Respond to him. Re respond to the word this morning and don't leave this place without really committing to what God's speaking to you. So if that's you, we want to invite you to a time of prayer. We're going to open these altars and just let the Holy Spirit work and minister as he will to each and every one of us. If you need healing in your body, you need prayer for any sickness, come up, we're gonna pray, we can pray for you, whatever it may be. And let's just take a moment and let's just worship the Lord. Can we do that before we go this morning? Let's just worship him. Father, we just thank you this morning. We rejoice greatly in the Holy Spirit that Lord, you care for such as us. 
We acknowledge this morning our need for you, God. Our need for you, Lord. Our need for you, Holy Spirit, to work in and through our lives. We acknowledge that we don't depend on you as we should. But we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come this morning and refresh and renew and strengthen. And Lord, as we draw near to you, we thank you this morning that you draw near to us, that you are close to the brokenhearted. You are near to those who are broken of heart. God, that you are calling us to you or you are calling us to a place of discipleship and following you. A radical decision to come close and to follow after you, to be yoked in with you, Jesus. So, Father, we just pray right now and we can recommit ourselves to you, Lord. We commit it to you. We thank you that you will keep it. That which we've committed to you, you will keep it until the day that you return. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening the weary. Thank you that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we thank you for fresh strength and anointing this morning for your people. Thank you, Lord, for salvation, for healing. Come on, church, just press into his presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are our healer. Thank you for the miracles taking place right now in bodies all over this place. Strength, Lord, healing touch right now, Lord. Whether you're here or in person or online, Maybe I just feel like somebody's suffering with a right knee injury. Like there's a strain even on the right side there of that knee. And God's healing it right now. Just receive that healing in Jesus' name. I just hear there's somebody, you got a tweak, and it's like, I want to say it's in the upper right shoulder blade area. It's been bothering you and causing discomfort and pain. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for that healing. Just receive that in Jesus' name.